Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. So anyway, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16, and we're gonna, we have two more messages in this series. And then um, I'm telling you now, because Haley and I, we, and our family, we do a family vacation every year. So after two more messages, I'm going to have some great people coming to speak for you on, on a Sunday so that um, uh, we can take a, a Sunday off. I actually turn my phone off, so in a couple of weeks, you won't get me. My phone will be off. If the church catches on fire and burns to the ground, you still won't get me. Um, I'll just come back and see, oh, wow, what happened? What did y'all do while I was gone? I mean, you know, <laughs> but you really won't get me. I mean, I, I just want you to know that. But you'll be in great hands. Um, great pastors and leaders will be here. So anyway, uh, just saying that. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, we're going to do this message and one more, and then we'll be done with a series on ecclesia. I hope you've enjoyed this, and I hope you have some understanding about the church in a little bit different light. But the word ecclesia, and that's the series we're in, it means the called out ones. It is actually an assembly, a spiritual assembly. An ecclesia could be, actually in Acts, there's a couple of times where you saw the mob rise up. You've ever seen these riots that have taken place in our nation the last couple of years where mobs come together? Those, in one sense, could be construed as, um, in a sense, an ecclesia, but not in a spiritual format. It is an assembly of people that have been called out, in a sense, together to do something, to achieve something. So sometimes when you say it in Acts, it actually even referred to a couple of times when the mob was going to rise up against different people. It actually refers to the same kind of thought process. It doesn't mean it's right. It just means that, so you understand the group. When a group is called out um, and it moves forward in a direction, it's called out and it's together. It's not indifferent. There are differences and there are diversities within that group, but they are on for the same mission and goal. How many know if you're going to do something crazy like burn buildings down, you pretty much have to be on the same page. There ain't nobody in the town burning building downs that, that went, oh, I didn't know what they were going to do. No, you knew what they was going to do. But if you're going to be there for that, you, you're really on the same page. It doesn't mean you're right. It just means you must really be well understood on what the mission is. We're going to burn the place down. Well, in the same light, it's totally different opposite, but the same light, the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, you are an assembly built upon a mission, and that mission should be well understood by the assembly. So that when we go out, we're not obviously doing evil and hurtful things to people, but our mission is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's read what Jesus said again about Matthew, in Matthew 16 about his church. He says, I say unto you, Peter, when he asked the question, who do people say that I am? Peter, I say unto you, you have said correctly, he said that you are the Christ. So, so Jesus says to Peter, I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. So when Jesus says he's going to build his church, this is the other side today we're going to talk about. And this is the area of partnership in the church. The church is a partnership. Now, a partnership works in very unique ways. But let me give you a little illustration of what Haley and I just did a couple of weeks ago. I didn't get a chance to share this with you. We've had a busy uh, kind of season, I'm sure like you have as well, but a lot of different things we've been a part of in the last month. And we just didn't, I haven't had a chance to even share this with you. But um, every year, I've been doing it for a couple of years, and Haley, I kind of, um, you ever put your spouse's name down for something without asking them? And just voluntold them, you know what I mean? There's volunteers, then there's voluntold. I tell our team, we don't volunteer anybody, we voluntell them. Like, go and get them. Like, go just say, hey, you're Jesus said, come and follow me. He didn't say, are you interested? No. Everybody ought to be interested in the kingdom, right? Everybody in the church, we ought to be. We got some new people serving today in kids' church and other places. You ought to thank them when you pick up their kids. If they give you the wrong name tag, as long as you leave with the right child and we know it, that's all that really matters, right? Tell them, thank you for watching and serving and preaching and, and holding and rocking my babies today, okay? Love them and tell them, thank you for what they're doing today, all right? Because if you ever serve for the first time somewhere, it can get nerve-wracking, you know? Is this the right baby? Wait, it says, it says Jim. Well, they're saying it's John. Wait, hold on, wait. You're comparing notes and numbers. Anyway, 
you just, you know, there's people watching and training and all that. Just tell them thank you, okay? But uh, Haley and I, I volunteered her a little bit with this. Uh, so we partner with a church in, in not just Dallas, Texas, but Dallas, Georgia at Westridge. And um, so every now and then, we're not a Baptist church necessarily, but they welcome us in and love us as if we were. I really appreciate that. It's really cool. Um, much to some other people's dismise, they, they do it. They love us. Anyway, they say, no, we're, we're all denominations coming to help with this. So, um, we go in and we partner with them in the, in the process of doing what we call an assessment for potential church planners. So these are people who have gone to Bible college, they've gone to seminary and, or they may not have, but they have, they feel like they have a call and what they're doing in this process for two days, they will go through extensive, uh, training, not training, but evaluation, if you will, assessment. I mean, we go, they go through their financial health. They go through their marital health. They go through their familial health with their kids. They go through where are you at in your life spiritually? How are your leadership qualities? Can you handle the pressure of a ministry? How give us some? And we go through two days. And ask Haley, it's it's intense. I mean, we we got them, and I tell the people that I interview, and I say, you know, I'm just gonna be honest with you. Did really good. Just so you know, had I went through this, now if Haley, if we gone through together, they'd have said yes. Go ahead. My dear, you have been called to the ministry, and you are wonderful. In Jesus' name, you can do whatever. Had I been with her, then I might have said, now listen, bud, <laughs> we need to hold you back another year because y'all don't think you're ready. You know what I'm saying? I told them, if we went through this, they might not let us go. It's that intense. I mean, there were some things that we had to learn on the fly that I wasn't ready for. And so in this process, though, we do this every year. And this last August, this August, uh, 11 candidates came through. This is one of the testimonies. I want you to hear this. Um, it says, my wife and I were very encouraged through every part of this assessment retreat. My favorite part of the assessment was seeing my wife get feedback on her leadership, parenting, and health of our marriage. Seldom in ministry do you get a feedback, but even more rarely do our spouses get that feedback. There isn't a year-end performance review for parenting and marriage. Somebody say amen. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thanks for taking time out of your life and your busy schedules to invest in our lives, our marriage, and our ministry. We have even more confidence now that God has called us to plant church planted church because of each of your sacrifices and investment. We're so grateful for each of you and hope these few words of encouragement will let you see a glimpse of the value of these two days. This is a candidate for each church planner, which they did go start a church. But out of the the 11 candidates, 10 will move on and they will plant new churches, not here, but in other places where there are very few churches. And so when we did that, what we did was it doesn't affect our church. It took time away from us. We had to get people to help us with our kids. We don't get paid to do it. It's, it's time away from my job, and what I do is time away from what she's doing. But we do it because we are in partnership in the kingdom. Do you all understand? Partnership in the kingdom. The kingdom of God is not individual church signs in Rome, Georgia, and other cities around you. The kingdom of God is this local ecclesia and every other one that proclaims Jesus Christ as Lord, now if they start pulling back and they don't, are they going to have some weird doctrinal thing that's not of the Bible? I'm sorry, they're not an ecclesia. I can't believe you say that. I'm going to say it again. That's why I preach on the resurrection, because there are churches right now denying the resurrection. The church cannot be built on anything other than the resurrection of Christ. That's first, Jesus said on this church, on this rock, what? The revelation, I'm the Christ. I'm going to build my church on what? The resurrection. The resurrection, that is the key. Nothing else matters. You can say every other thing you want to say, but if you take that away, nothing matters anymore. There is no lamp, no oil. There is nothing in the ecclesia that matters because the resurrection is not proclaimed and, and preached. But he said, this is the way it works. Partnership is what makes the ecclesia move forward. Now watch what I mean by that. Go back to Matthew 16 and look at this. Jesus said, I will build my church. And we think... That he's doing it all. Let me just tell you something. If he's doing it all, I got a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and time into some things that I know he is with me. But I felt like I was putting a lot of hammer and nails to some things that I would have loved to have the carpenter do for me. How many know he's not doing everything for you? He's there to empower you. He's there to help you, to give you wisdom. But watch this. I will build my church. Now look at the next sentence. And I will give unto you. He's going to give unto who? Look at your neighbor right now and say, he's talking to you. Right? I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. If you guys can put it on the screen so they can see it, please. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You. I should have brought my keys. I could jingle them, you know. 
Ava has a set of keys. Man, I don't know how you guys, I have, a, I have a few keys. I hate keys. I don't like having, there's too many of them. I don't like them. Ava has like, I don't even know what they go to. There's so many keys. They're like just, and you know she's coming because you're jingle, 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 jingle. They're everywhere. Like long, I'm like, baby, what do you, where, what does all this go to? Is there another home we don't know about? Like, I don't know what you've got going on, but like, they jangling everywhere, but I'll give you the key. So that's plural. Notice he didn't say, I will give you the key. There are keys. Now, I got more to talk about, but let me just, I want to just stop right here and just say a few things. There are keys. Why do you have multiple keys? Because there's multiple doors. And the same key that you open one door for might not open the same door. But what the Lord did for me and how God used and what key was used to open up my heart and help me and deliver me from my past might not work for you. And the same thing that worked for somebody else in their marriage, it, they may give you some examples and some tools, but it might not be that key that's the same way that's used for other people. You might need a different key. Are y'all with me, right? But I'm going to give you the keys, plural. There's more than one door. And Jesus Revelation said, behold, there, there's a door. And now there is an open door. Well, you don't open a door unless you have a key. And if you want to know how to break through things, you've got to find out what key it is to open to it, that area. Again, why am I pumping the brakes? Why do I feel the Lord saying pump the brakes a little bit and slow down? You can do a lot of things, and you can beat on the door. You can kick on the door. You can stand outside and shout at the door. It don't mean it's going to open for you. Better to have the Holy Spirit give you the key. Why sit around beating a door down? It ain't going anywhere. I mean, we're talking about doors like castle doors. We're talking about like the little, you know, plywood doors you got. If you have an apartment, you ever had, a, you know, like we had a school apartment. Man, that thing... Like, you could have just leaned on it and poof, it would have opened. It was terrible. Like cardboard. You know those little cheap cardboard doors? are Awful. These are real sturdy doors. you got to have a key. And But he says, I'll give you the keys, plural. And then watch this. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose will be loosed in heaven. Now, whoever you talked to the last time, now the other person took the person to the other side of you and say, he's talking to you. Pick somebody else this time. Y'all did not participate. I said, turn to the person beside you and say, he's talking to you. That's why you can't open a door because you're not participating. <laughs> the Lord will tell you, if the Lord tells you something, not me, I'm saying if the Lord gives you something to do, and you look at me like, huh? He's giving you a key to open the door. But you've got to do it. He's not going to open the door for you. Participation is key. We are in partnership. The Lord will work with you. But I'm going to tell you something. If we don't go, he's not going. If you don't pray, he's praying for you. But there are some things he said. You pray. The harvest is great. But the laborers are few. Go up and tell everybody around you to come on a bit. Now we do that. But before we ever ask anybody to serve and volunteer in the church, we pray. Lord, we need the right people. Give us the people you need to help your church move forward. What do you, we pray. Pray, therefore, to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth what? Laborers into his field. But don't you know he wants more laborers? Don't you find it interesting? He says for you to pray. I just can't understand my child. I don't know why they won't listen to me. I don't understand this. I don't understand that. Have you prayed for them? Well, I've checked online and I've seen how he used to do five steps to make a better kid. That's great. Kick that door all you want to. But the key would be first is prayer for him. Well, I don't know how to pray. Jesus didn't say you know how to pray. Pray. I pray all the time to my kids. Lord, I thank you, God, that you've given us wisdom for our child. Each one of them are different. But, Lord, I thank you that you put echoes in their life. I thank you, Lord, that when Pastor Stephen preaches, I thank you, God, that you give him words of wisdom. And when he's preaching, my teenagers hear you through his words. And they go, oh, wow. And even if mom and dad have said it a hundred times, and they come and they say, let me tell you what Pastor Stephen said. And I go, we've been saying that like forever. You so want to take credit for it, don't you? But you know what? I just got, that's awesome. That's the Lord right there. Yeah, and God was doing it. Or they go to a retreat. And they hear God at a camp. I'm thankful because I'm praying for echoes in their life. 
But don't ever forget, you kicking down that door trying to change your kid, you ain't praying for him. That's like trying to beat down a castle door without a key. You're not getting in. You better pray. There's your key right there. Pray. Paul said, pray. Pray that I might have an open door into the nations. Pray that I might be have the words from God. It doesn't mean he, he can't talk. He can talk fine. But you know, if I go to Scotland and I preach, it's a completely different culture than if I go to Israel and preach. Both are almost teeter-tottering on an unreached people group, by the way. Oh, listen, 2% Christian in both of those nations. But if I go to each one of them and if I don't understand the culture, I can mess up what I'm about to say. So what does Paul say? Pray that I might be able to speak the words unto the people that I'm with. Prayer is the key. This is not my message. Please understand, I'm not preaching notes right now. I'm trying to help. I don't know who you are, or maybe you're online right now, but you listen to what I'm saying. This is not in my notes. I'm trying to give you something by the Lord right now. You're kicking, trying to fix finances, trying to fix your home, trying to fix the marriage, trying to fix the kid, trying to fix the dog. Nobody cares about the cat. But nonetheless, you better start praying. Why don't this work for me? Have you prayed? No. Pray. There's your key right there. Okay. Now, moving on from that. Paul said about this partnership that when we're in partnership with God, a partnership, let me just say this before I read this verse to you. Um, it is equal measurements. So if you go to a business and you're 50-50, how many of the, one might be strong in administrative skills, the other might be really strong in the sales area. But nonetheless, there's a 50-50 weighting, correct? So both benefit from the production of the business. In Christianity, there is a partnership, but there is a benefit and a cost at times. And you might see this happen in your life. But it doesn't mean you're always going to have both. So let me read this here in Philippians 3.10. And uh, this is one of my favorite scriptures that, um, that I use. And, and I'll tell you why. In Rome, Georgia, this is what I found. Everybody seems to be saved in Rome, Georgia. Everybody's saved. Who's not saved? Like sometimes I go, why am I even praying on a Sunday morning? Because everybody seems to be saved in Rome, Georgia. If you go ask them, I'm saved. Well, if you're saved, why do you not attend the house of the Lord? Well, I just got me and Jesus. Well, that contradicts like a hundred scriptures I could give you right now. Yeah, but, and then they go on this excuse of roller coaster ride. And like, and then, but they're saved, but you can't tell them anything. You know what I'm talking about? That's Rome, Georgia. I love Rome, but I'm just telling you, it drives me nuts. You know, people tell me all the time stuff like, well, you just don't know, blah, 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 blah. And then they tell me, I go like, yeah, but I can give you like 20 scriptures right now that would fix that. Yeah, but, and it's just excuses all the time. Because they're saved and they know everything. You can't tell them anything. So here we go. Paul said, salvation is not enough. He said, I want to know him. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. Meaning salvation is resurrection, but I want to know him. That means a relationship. It is not enough to be saved. It is equally as important to actually have a relationship with the Lord. To actually know Him relationally. To have a moment where you actually sense His presence. You hear His word. You sense His peace. Even in chaotic seasons... You know he's there with you. There is nothing more refreshing than have God give you a word. Now, I'm not talking, you can get a word from his Bible or you can have a word that he speaks to your heart and somebody can confirm a word to you. But I'm just telling you, when you're in a dry season, a chaotic season, a difficult season, there is nothing more refreshing. It's like being in the desert with a beautiful oasis and there it is and it quenches every thirst. But that doesn't come when we stand up and just say, well, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved, and I know it all. Every now and then we have to stop and go, you know, maybe I don't know as much as I think I do. Lord, what are you trying to tell me right now? Holy Spirit, what do you want me to hear? I want to know him and the power of his resurrection, but I want to know him. Then Paul says this, watch this, here comes more of the partnership. He says, not just to know him in the power of his resurrection, but also to have the fellowship of his sufferings 
and being conformed to his death. The word fellowship means partnership here. It doesn't mean just a conversation. It means to have a partnership with him. It means this. Jesus said, in this world, you will face what? Tribulations. Yay. Thanks, Jesus. That's great. Great word. Not what I want to hear, but that's great. But it, it's all throughout the Bible. Paul experienced it. Peter experienced it. John. All these men were martyred. Many of the women were martyred for their faith. They were crucified upside down, boiled in oil, burned alive at the stake, all because of faith in Christ. And we get frustrated because someone gives us the middle finger because we have a fish stick on the back of our car. You're going to face some stuff. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Watch this. And the fellowship of his sufferings. It means that in this life, it's not just all blessings. I wish it was. Oh, man, the Lord blessed me. Yes. But if all you do is spout out the blessing, the blessing, the blessing, the blessing, and you can't identify with a family that's going through a suffering, 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 they think you're unreachable, unattainable. You're kind of alien. You know? Like, what is... All you know is the blessing. You've never suffered one day in your life. You have never had an issue in your life. I'm not saying we don't go around like this going, Oh, well, it's me. I'm just a suffering through the mire and the clay. I'm just an old deadbeat Christian. Just, But I'm, I'm saved. Thank you, Jesus. It's like, give me a cabin in heaven junk. Whatever, man. Jesus said there's mansions in glory. I ain't getting a cabin. Although, I'll tell you this. I don't know how much bigger of a house I want because the more house you got, the longer it takes to clean And the more maintenance it is. I don't know about you, but anyway. It's kind of an interesting thought. Maybe I do want a little small spot on the river. I don't know. but Nonetheless, it's a partnership. You're going to experience both blessing and suffering in this life. Now, God's made promises for both. But the partnership and the fellowship of his suffering is very real. It's very real. And when we act like it doesn't go on, it's like super Christian. No one can figure you out. Maybe God wants to take your super Christian knowledge and put you together with someone who's going through a difficult season and help them walk through it so they can overcome. But there's a partnership there. Now, this word, let me put it on the screen for you so you can read this and understand this. But uh, the word fellowship or partnership, it means participation fellowship. It is the word partnership. It means this, the act of sharing in the activities or privileges of an intimate association or group, especially used of marriage and of churches. Now notice, of marriage and of churches. Remember we already talked about the bride of Christ, right? The church is revered and most closely associated with, when you look at it, as a marriage relationship between a man and a woman. And in this context, he's saying to you, as a fellowship or a partnership, think about this in a a relationship. If you have a marriage relationship, isn't it true? Keeping it as PG as I can. But it is the most intimate human relationship you have on the planet for a reason, your marriage relationship. That's why your children can't be above that relationship, right? Y'all got what I'm saying? Okay, children go after your spouse. They have to, or it gets all out of whack. In the same context, he says, your church, the ecclesia of Christ, is an intimate partnership. He's the head, you're the body. He's the groom, you're the bride. You don't get any more intimate than that. He cares deeply for you. But it is a partnership, and there are benefits in the partnership. Now, the thing I want you to think about this is when, when God moves on something. Have you ever played uh, checkers before with someone? And I know that maybe that sounds old school. Like, I don't know what checkers is. My kids still love checkers. If we're on the road and we're traveling, and we go to um, Cracker Barrel, and we stop usually for breakfast or lunch or something, if it's a long drive, um, we'll roll up in there besides the... Um, rocking on the rocking chairs and whatnot, they love to get out there and play on those big checkerboards, you know. And in Georgia, usually if it's summertime, we're driving. It's like 100 degrees, 100% humidity. Everything's, like you're just sweating everywhere. I just want to go inside in the air conditioning, right? They want to play with the checkers. Sit out there. You know, you're waiting at Cracker Barrel, what, 30 minutes? Like we're waiting. Checkers, here we go. Checkers going. And I'm sitting there. I've watched this before happen. You've probably done this too, but you're sitting there watching, and they're, neither one of them is doing anything. you like, you know, are we going to finish this game or what? And then one looks at it, the other and goes like, are you going to go? And they go, it's not my turn to go. It's your turn to go. And they say, no, it's not. It's your turn to go. And now they're fighting over whose turn it is to go. Because one of them missed their step. And you know you've played checkers before. You've done it. If it, you're trying to win, it takes some time. You go like you're contemplating. 
And you forget, wait a minute, was it my turn? Or is it their turn? And no one's moving because the other one doesn't know either. It's your move. No, it's my move. It's your. In the same way, think about this. What if it's like that with God? Where the Lord has already moved and he's saying, I'm waiting on you to move now. But we're going, no, 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 God, I'm asking you to move. He's like, I've already moved. I'm waiting on you. What if it's the same way with the Lord? And he's just waiting on us to do our part. I've moved and I need you to move. It is a relationship that is both ministry and relational. And when I participate in this partnership in a church, in the ecclesia, is the preaching, the teaching. Yes, it is the worship. Yes, it is the discipling people. Yes, it is outreach, local and global. Yes, but all of that takes what? Partnership. How can they hear if they don't have a preacher? How can the preacher be preaching if he is not sent? How can he go if somebody doesn't send him? You understand what I'm saying? You, there's a partnership there. And you can never devalue the power of the partnership that God gave you. The question is this morning, am I in partnership with God? Is he moving more than I'm moving? And sometimes we also have to ask the question, am I moving more than he's moving? Because either way, it could be just as rough. Oh, God, come on, won't you do something? If he's not doing it, we start trying to do it, and why is it not working? Maybe God's not doing it. You, as Christians, we understand that there are seasons in the Bible where the Lord absolutely did not move. Do you remember that? Times when Joshua and others would ask the Lord, they would inquire of the Lord, David, shall we go? And the Lord said, go. And other times, when he didn't say go, they got that tail. Do you remember this, right? It's a partnership. We need the Lord, but the Lord also needs us. So, anyway, partnership. Does everyone understand what I'm saying? It's a partnership. So look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2. Let me read this to you about uh, partnership. And the power of this partnership. So he says, we give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers. So Paul is praying for the church. Prayers. Constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and your labor of love and your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and the presence of God our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you. So these people are doing a lot of stuff. And Paul's saying, I'm praying for you. You're my heart. You're my mind. I'm praying for you. I know you work hard. Your labor love. You have faith and hope in Jesus. And he says, verse 5, for our gospel did not come to you in word only. But watch this. But also in power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul is saying, we didn't just talk to you about the Bible. We actually went out there. Out there. Scary people. Woo, went out there somewhere. And when I was eating my lunch and the waitress or the waiter came to my, comes to my table. And I feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit to pray for them. I don't ignore it. My quesadilla is not that important. It's Las Palmas, people. Come on. It's, just reheat it. It's going to be fine. It's going to taste the same when you throw it in the microwave anyway. So just hang tight for five minutes and pray for them. I have seen this before. We've done this. And I have watched where the person slays their, whatever that thing's called, their tablet down, and tears because someone listened to the power of the Holy Spirit and the prompting and the whisper of God to reach and minister to them. They didn't just hear a Bible lesson at Sunday morning church. They took it out in the scary people. And they talked to them about the Lord. I've seen this numerous times happen. Paul said, I'm not just preaching. I want you to use this in real world life. And he goes on to say this. We came in the power of the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. In other words, you know us. Verse 6, you also became imitators of us. Now, this is important. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Y'all with me, right? So if you're going to follow someone, you need to ask the question, are they following Christ? No matter how famous they are, can we just all get real a little bit? Know how popular they are, no matter how many clicks or tweets or songs they do. I'm just telling you, 
if they're saying stuff that doesn't line up with this, including MY, that'd be me, you are supposed to look at that and say, huh, now 90% of the time that's all right. I don't get that. that. He said that, you know, we're not the bride of Christ. The resurrection is not important. Hmm. That's a pretty big deal. Should I still follow that individual? The answer would be, thank you. Lots of participation right there. I love that. Some things aren't as big a deal. As a preacher, I can tell you this. We misspeak all the time. We're preaching. We misquote a Bible verse. It happens all the time. If you speak long enough, it's going to happen to you. These people stand up before you that get all their junk right. They have teleprompters, okay? And even that isn't always right. But nonetheless, they have a lot easier gig going, you know? You're going to misspeak. You're going to miss it. We all should have the spiritual depth and knowledge to go, oh, he misspoke that. That's totally different. When someone denies the resurrection, I'm sorry, at that point, you as a believer are supposed to say, uh-uh, nope, we're done. Because if you deny the resurrection, there's not one other thing that they're going to say that is going to be truth-based. The Holy Spirit is not empowering their words. But I'm telling you right now, there are people, hook, line, and sinker, following people that have denied the faith because, whoo, they're a big deal. Ain't nobody a big deal when you get around Jesus. When you get around Jesus, nobody's a big deal. No matter how big they are here on the planet, when you get around Jesus, I'm telling you, no one's a big deal. Nobody. So be careful who you follow. But Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So when he says be imitators of us and of the Lord, Paul's always putting the two together. If you're going to follow me, watch and see if I'm following Christ. Having received this word with much tribulation... With the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Here's what Paul is saying. There's a partnership. You didn't just hear the word preached. You went out and did what the word said. You used it in real life. When you're prompted by the Holy Spirit to pray for the person serving you at dinner, you pray with them. When you get stopped by your neighbor at the mailbox, and it's just a coincidence, just happen to be there. You know, if you live like us and you're out there by the mailbox, it, we live out. If you run into your neighbor where we live, it's not just a coincidence. It's stop and chat time. That, I don't know if that happens where you live, but for us, we live out in the country. It's When you see them at the mailbox, it's stop and chat. Well, how's everybody doing? Because you don't see each other that much. Now, if you're in a subdivision, it's different. You might see them on a... But if the Holy Spirit prompts you, switch the conversation to what's deeper and real. How are you doing today? Yeah, maybe your day's been rough. Maybe you've had a rough week. But what about them? Maybe they don't know the Lord. What if you get to lead them to Christ? Partnership. It's the working together. So we'll put this on the screen for you. And uh, I want you to see this because this is in in your city. This is the truth. Okay? If we view the church only as one or the other, a fellowship, okay, or a, a partnership, watch what happens. Number one, if it's a fellowship, there you go. If it's a fellowship only, then we overlook the need to be missional and we get lazy. It's that whole, hey, we're going to have dinner on the grounds thing. It's just we're going to have church, going to have some lunch at church. So you're have to, and nothing wrong with that. But if that's all you do, what happens is we forget to be missional and we get lazy. Now contrast that on the other side. If all we have is a partnership, that means we're going to just go, 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 then we get greedy and we use people. A true biblical ecclesia has both combined. They are relational or they have fellowships and they're built around partnerships. They are the two words used together. They mean both. It's a relational equity and it's a partnership equity based on work and mission. But the ecclesia is centered around this group of people set on mission to move forward without neglecting, though, the relationship. It takes both. This is the same way you'd use this in your marriage. You do the same thing with your children. I mean, we work on the farm. We work hard. But I don't forget they're my children. I mean, they're not my servants. You understand? He'll send them out there. All right, let's go, kids. Let's get busy. Let's work, let's work, let's work. And I never spend any dad time with them. 
You know? I mean, I'll take them to go ride roller coasters. Why? Because they love it. That little one makes me get on them little twirly things while the other ones go loop-de-loops. And, and Haley's about done with it. She don't, no, no spinning twirly twirly. If I do that too much just with her, she gets sick just looking at me right now doing this. But I ride those things. That little, you know, the teacup things. You know what I'm talking about, right? Teacup, the ones that go around and around, and it's also going around in a circle, and it's also orbiting like this. It's like three, I don't understand the science behind it, what you call that. Uh, an orbital radius, I don't know, whatever it's called. But anyway, it's, it's enough to make you throw up. And I get off of it, and I can handle it still, but I take a minute, I go, right. and then the little one wants to go to the one right beside it. It's the same thing with a different color on it. <sighs> Give me a minute, baby. She literally looked at me last time, last week. She looked at me and goes, Dad, you don't have to ride this, and I'll ride it. Okay, baby, no problem. I'll let her, you know, just, it's awesome. Why do I do that? Because they're my children. That's fun to them. And I, people drive me nuts and go like, you're just going to spoil your kids doing all this stuff with them. No. I work their little butts off. And we have fun. There's a time to work. There's a time to play. It's not just words from my grandfather. It's biblical. There's a time to plant. There's a time to harvest. There's a time to gather. There's a time to scatter. Do y'all see the partnership here with God in all this? It's a partnership. All right, so let me just close up with this last thought today. Why do you need a partnership? Now, this might surprise you what I'm about to say. But you may not realize what you're doing right now because of your partnership in the gospel around the world. You really need to take stock right now of the salvations, the changed lives that have happened. Baptisms that took place just a few weeks ago. Outreach out there that's taking place. The salvations on that board alone because of your partnership in the gospel. I've said this before. I think it just always bears repeating. There are over 40,000 in one ministry alone that's out there. Salvations. Because of your partnership in the gospel. How can he, go? How can he preach if he don't? Be sent. How can he send? How can he go? If, he, if no one sends him, how can he go? How can he, if he's going to be sent, he's got to be qualified. You understand there's a lot that goes into this partnership. But listen to what Paul said, Philippians 1.1. We'll close up with this, okay? Paul and Timothy says, or Paul's writing to Paul and Timothy. He says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. This is Philippians 1.1. Including the overseers and the deacons. So Paul is writing to the overseers, which are the pastors or the elders of the church, and to the deacons. Those are the leaders in the church. It says, so it's a tier thing. So there's elders, then there's deacons. Elders are the spiritual, they govern the church spiritually. Deacons help lead the church, they move ministry forward. If that, does that make sense to everybody? That's, that's the, if you want to know the difference between the two. Because in Rome, deacons seem like they run everything. Deacons don't run anything. Deacons lead things. The overseers are the bishops, the pastors, the elders. That's how the church is set up. People say, well, the deacon, deacons ought to be in charge. No. No. They, they shouldn't. Well, I was a deacon once. Well, I can't help what you was. I can't help if your mama played the organ and your daddy, you know, opened the door for you. I don't care what they did. If you want to be biblical, elders are the spiritual governors of the church, if you will. They oversee the spiritual health and wealth of the church, the conditions of the church, manage things like that. But the leadership that moves ministry forward, they're deacons. And it's not a bad word. It's just been misused in our city so long. So anyway, I just want to say that as I'm reading this. He says, grace and peace to you uh, from our Lord Jesus Christ and our Father in heaven. I thank my God in my remem- remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you. I'll watch this verse 5. In view of your participation or your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Watch. For I am confident. We like to take this verse of scripture out, but watch this. Because of your partnership, because of what you are involved with, I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart. Since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. Now I'm about to say something to you that may sound a little like, um, maybe you haven't heard this before, but I want you to understand what I'm saying today. You are partakers 
of the gospel of grace. That does not mean what has been proclaimed for so long the last couple of years. That it's just a free-for-all. You don't do anything. It's just the grace of God. God loves me so much, and I don't have to do anything because he loves me. Whatever. That's a bunch of baloney. The grace of God is there to transform your life. The grace of God is to empower you to change. But watch, there's a different grace. In 1 Corinthians 12, there are spiritual gifts. There are both spiritual gifts that God empowers you with to do ministry. And then there are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are non-different gifts. They are supernatural gifts in the Bible. They are not things you are born with. A word of knowledge is not something you have that's just great knowledge because you read a book. That is ridiculous. The Holy Spirit gives gifts supernaturally at times to help people, to, as Paul would say, to bless people. And there's none of them in there. There's spiritual gifts that God gifts you with, and there's Holy Spirit gifts that he empowers you with at times. They're called charis or grace gifts. They're charis. It means it comes from God, but it is a charis grace. It is a supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit that God uses you with. Now, why am I sharing that with you? Because this word here, grace, is different. Paul the apostle had an anointing from God. He was an apostle. He had apostolic work. He planted churches everywhere. He just told this church at Philippians, you are partakers of grace with me. Now, what is he referring to there? What he's saying is, you may never go and plant a work in Rome, Italy. You may never be the one that proclaims the work and preaches the gospel on the backside of Southeast Asia where Ariel is, one of our outreach ministries. Maybe you never plant a church in Cambodia and maybe you're never outside of Vietnam or in Laos and you get, have to be put into a ceiling to hide while they come in because they're going to arrest you and possibly kill you for the proclamation of the gospel. But because you partner with them, you have the same grace on you that they have on them. Now what does that mean? You can go out and plant churches? Maybe not. But what it means is there is a reward that you have because of partnership that you may not even realize. I mean, maybe you didn't baptize the 18 different people over the last couple, this last month in our church. Maybe you didn't. But if you're a partner with this church, guess what? You are a partaker of that grace. What do you mean, Pastor Tony? How's that work? Well, maybe you didn't go and help 10 different people like Haley and I did and go out and, and now they're going to go start new churches. Maybe you'll never help another pastor start a church. That may be true. But because of your partnership, there's no way Haley and I do that if we don't have partnership in our church. We can't do what God's asked us to do if we don't have the partnership with you. But that doesn't mean it's just us. It doesn't mean we get to heaven and God says, oh, Jody and Haley, thanks for helping pastors plant churches. Wonderful. Look at this. Enter into the heavens of the Lord and look at your reward and look at all that stuff you did for Jesus and you get up to the gates one day and you say well no God I've been overseeing a, a plant and uh, I've been managing all this staff over here and we sell products over here we assemble these things over there um, you know I pray with a couple of co-workers in the break room and over a honey bun I don't know like God's going to look into you and says weren't you a partner in Cornerstone Church You'll be like, what? Yeah, yeah, wasn't that your church? Wasn't that your ecclesia? Weren't you a part of Cornerstone Church? Didn't you, didn't you support the church? Weren't you a part of giving? Weren't you a part of serving? Wasn't that your ecclesia? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. He's going to say, what do you mean? You just prayed for a few people in the break room. Come here. Let me show you what you've done. When he rolls back the curtain and you see all the lives that are changed, all the souls that have been saved. Like I said, right now, it's over 40,000 just one area of ministries that are on that wall out there. You get the same credit for that as if you were the one preaching the gospel. How is that possible? Because it's a partnership. It's an equal weighting. You don't, they're just not over there preaching by themselves. They can't do it without you. In Southeast Asia, I'm telling you, it's very difficult. And Ariel cannot go in. If it weren't for people like you doing what you do, we could not help send them over there for the last nine years. No longer than that. Thirteen years. That's because of you. The same partnership, the same grace rests on you. So let me break down real life this morning for you. 
That's great, Pastor Jody. I mean, eternal rewards are everything, and I'm, I'm very grateful for that. How does that work for me? Let me ask you a question. If you're in this room right now, and you think that what I do doesn't matter, if you think, well, because I just don't preach, it's not a big deal, there's nothing in heaven, I mean, I just... I don't know enough about the Bible. I'm not really there. I I just don't. I'm just telling you right now, you're neglecting the value that God has on you. And the value of that partnership. And what you do and how it matters. And I just really feel like the Lord wants you to know today, what you do really does matter. It really does matter. I think sometimes we think right here, this temporary thing, this is what really is going on. But I'm, guys, I just want to reiterate a few things about eternity here. Eternity is what matters. And just like when you play checkers, when you're done playing the game, maybe a different game, checkers is, is complicated, but When you're done, let's say you're playing not just checkers, let's say you're playing a more complicated game like Monopoly. There's a lot more pieces, right? You got little things over here, and then, you know, you don't ever let Haley be the banker. I know that. There's other stuff over here. We played in college, and she always won. I'm just saying. There's something about that. So you put all the pieces. When you're done, what do you do? You put all these pieces back in the box. Game's over. In life, it's no different. As I pray for you today, I want you to hear these words. When life is over, it looks like a big monopoly game. I mean, to be honest with you, you got a bunch of stuff. Okay, we acquired some houses, put some money in the bank over there, got some investments, got some stuff. But when it's all done, guess what happens? You put everything back in the box, box goes back on the shelf. It's over. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That's what's really going to matter in life. And I'm telling you, when we partner with what we do as the kingdom of God, as Ecclesia, that matters more to me than this temporary thing that we see around us. Because in the end, you're going to see what all you've been a part of, and the Lord is going to say, you think you weren't doing stuff? Let me show you what you were a part of. Let me help you understand that. So this morning, what I want to do, I want to pray for you. I want you to close your eyes and bow your head just for a moment. As we pray, I want you to take a moment to... Maybe allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. And understand this, that you have a Father God that loves you and cares for you. And you're in partnership, you're in a family really with the Lord. And I want you to take off that idea that what you do does not matter. I want you to hear the Lord this morning speak to you that what you do really does matter. Maybe you give to the Lord through your church and whatnot, and you say, well, man, all I ever do is just give. Your, your, your giving goes further than what you can imagine. Well, man, I just opened up a door. You know, it's not that big a deal. It is a big deal. Your smile might have just opened up the heart of somebody that came in the door. Just, just make them feel welcome. Well, man, I mean, I don't know what, you know, how am I open, Pastor Jody? I, I work with kids. It's not that big. I'm not preaching. You are. Jesus said, man, if you give even a cup of cold water to a child, you have the prophet's reward in that. You, you can't neglect the things that we do for the Lord. It's much greater than you can imagine. So just walk where you are with your eyes closed. Maybe you're in this room, you don't know the Lord. You might think, well, I'm not even sure I am a Christian. You know, how do I know? Well, the scriptures say this, that a man believes in his heart, confesses with his mouth that Jesus is Lord, is the key to salvation. And how do you do that? You simply just pray this prayer. I'm going to lead you. Everybody else in this church will pray with you right now. But you just pray this prayer with me right now. Just close your eyes by your hip. And you can say this with me. And the whole church will pray with you. You won't be by yourself. You say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my heart and I give you my life. And Lord, I ask you to save me. I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And Father, I thank you for saving me. And I make you, Jesus, my Lord and Savior. 
In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you. Would you give a hand, church, right now? Well, listen, in your seat back right there, there's a Connect card. We'd love to help you get started walking with Christ. Or if you're watching online, connect.cornerstonerome.com. Um, there's a, I just want to say this before you, as you're writing things down. If you take that card and you have some things that you want uh, help with, and we're going to have prayer partners that will be down front as well. And you can get prayer, but th- there is a partnership. How many know you can pray about your money and pray about your money and pray about your money, but if you don't change how you deal with your money, your prayers aren't going to work. Can I get an amen? amen? Okay. You can pray about your spouse and pray about your spouse and pray about your spouse, but if you don't take a look at yourself in the mirror and ask why is this not working, it's not going to change. It's not always one-sided. It's, it takes both. And so I'm going to ask you to stand this morning as our, uh, our prayer team's coming down front. If you need prayer, we want to pray for you, okay? Anything you need prayer for, we want to pray for you. But I'm just, I just felt prompted to say this when I was talking earlier about this. You know, maybe it's finances, maybe it's marriage, I don't know. But if you're here, you get prayer, number one. Yes, get God moving, absolutely. However, if you need help and you say, I'm in a situation and we just need a little help. If you'll take that little card and and write it down and either give it to one of these individuals, they're going to pray with you. They can take that. We'll take the cards and we'll, you know, we'll go from there and we'll call you and get you set up with someone and get you started on the next steps to help you, okay? Please don't wait. And I don't know if I'm prompted by the Holy Spirit to say this, but I just really want you to hear my heart. Don't wait on your marriage if you need help now. Like, don't wait. If your finances are kind of like, you know, stressed out, don't wait until it's a pressure cooker situation. Let, let, Let us help you now. If it's with your kids... Whatever it might be, if there's something burdening your heart and you just, you don't feel like you have an answer, we may not have the answer. We may have to get some outside help for you, but we'll help you find the right person, okay? Write that down on that connection card and either give it to one of these guys, they'll they'll pray with you, and then we'll put it in the offering boxes on the way out, and our pastoral team will take it and we'll follow up with you from there, okay? Does that sound good? I mean, I, I just feel like, I don't know who you are, but if you got something like that burdening you on your heart, get prayer, but then let us know so we can help you, okay? All right, before you go, let me speak this over you. If you need prayer, just come on down front. This is from Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24. And it says this, May the Lord bless you and may keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may he give you his peace. God bless you guys so much. You're dismissed. We'll see you next week. If you need prayer, come on down front. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.